This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you for being here. As always, it is a beautiful Thursday afternoon when I'm recording this. I'm upstairs in my studio, but I have the window open. The warm breeze is coming through. The skies are blue. The sun is out. The temperature is high and my neighbor is lying in his cabana listening to the Gypsy Kings. You hear it? All right, maybe you can't, but he's having a great time out there. And why not? Why not? We don't get enough of summer in this country, so when it does arrive, you have to make the most of it. So I'm recording in the afternoon, and then I'm probably going to retire to the garden. I may drink a beer or two. Who knows? I'm going to cook some stuff on the barbecue because, well, why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? Anyway, preseason has begun, and that is as sure a sign as anything that the season is coming. Because once preseason begins, the next thing is season. And after that, it's postseason, and then you get to preseason again. So there's only three things, and we are 100% in the pre. In the pre in which the Smith scored our goal the other night against Hibernian, we lost... 2-1. I mean, I did think about writing a strongly worded letter, perhaps setting up a petition. And to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't at the game and caught on the TV cameras crying at the result because we lost. And some nice people and definitely not complete weirdos looking for attention would have set up a GoFundMe to make me feel better. But hey, look, you can't have everything, eh? Uh, We do have another game this weekend. Another one in Scotland against Rangers at Ibrox. So that's the the second part of our preseason. You know, I've spoken about this before. I really don't get too bent out of shape one way or the other about preseason results. I think primarily what we need to see this preseason is how we shape the squad for the start of the actual season. So there's plenty of work to do in that regard. And with me to talk about uh, what's gone on this week and what we still have to do and more, it's Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew. 
Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right. Preseason has begun. An exciting evening in Edinburgh against Hibernian. 2-1 win. I mean, we were robbed. Let's face it, we were robbed. That second goal was miles offside. We missed a penalty. It should have been a convincing 2-1 win to Arsenal, really. Honestly, I think <laughs> Arsenal probably could have won that by quite a few goals, to be honest. There were so yeah. many missed opportunities. Um but yeah, it was it was a real kind of second gear performance. Um, although you know some of the guys looked pretty sprightly, I was actually quite impressed by Pepe when he came off mm. the uh, the bench at half time. I mean, he was really involved on both both wings. But I mean, it's one of those where when the guys have been in training for like two days, you really really can't read too much into it. And I oh, think no. you know the Hibs fans obviously enjoyed the fact that they got one over on Arsenal. Um, and, uh, Bear with was- me one second. I've got somebody at the door. Hang on. Maybe I'll do the doorbell music. Sorry about that. It's all right. There's a man delivering a thing. So there you go. Uh, we were talking happens, about... Happens a lot. Happens a lot these days. So much cardboard uh, to recycle, it should be said. So yeah, you were talking about Hibs fans enjoying getting one over on us. There were a few in the comments on Arsblog News, actually, who who seemed to enjoy it all right. Yeah, look, I mean, um, it was. It, I think that was the first time they'd had fans in their stadium since March 2020. So, I mean, there was only a small number, a couple of mm. thousand um, and even though there weren't supposed to be Arsenal fans there, you could definitely hear a couple of the uh, <laughs> the Arsenal fans in the stadium kind of giving it a bit of, uh, giving the players a bit there, of jip when there, they were giving yeah. the ball away. There was at least one, wasn't there? You could hear him shouting in the back, at least one uh, guy quite close to the microphones or whatever. It is a weird one though, isn't it? Because, you know, for the game against Rangers on Saturday, uh, 2,000 fans are allowed in. There was, I guess it was a similar thing for for the game at Easter Road. And it's sort of in contrast to what we just saw at the weekend with Wembley absolutely packed with 60,000 people. Um, and even some of the games at the Euros uh, that, that took place at Hampden Park, there were more people allowed in there. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Because, look, this is preseason. You can't take it too seriously. You can't sort of draw huge conclusions, certainly from the first couple of games of preseason anyway. But um, for people to see that many people in stadiums at the weekend and then be restricted to just a couple of thousand seems a bit odd. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I know Scotland have got slightly different rules under Nicholas Sturgeon. And mm. um, I guess they're they're probably kind of being treated as test events for some of these clubs who've not had any fans at all um, mm. for such a long time. Um yeah, I, I'm assuming with with Arsenal's preseason fixtures. I mean, obviously there's there's ones in America, but the the, the ones that are in England, part of this Mind series or Mind mm. Games or whatever people are calling it, I'm guessing that they'll be inviting a full house um, ahead of uh, the season starting. I mean, the restrictions here are supposed to end in theory on uh, mm. July 19th, which is what four days time. Five days time, so um, yeah, it's a it's, it's a weird new world we're going into. Hmm. One of the standout features of the game against Tibbs, uh, certainly in retrospect, was uh, Willian's um, belly. 
And we've got some questions from our Discord that we're going to go through here. I like this one from Ricky Dobbs, who says, if the camera adds 10 pounds, just how many cameras were on Willian? I mean, it, it is possible maybe that it is a slight trick of the light. I saw the pictures doing the rounds on social media, and I was like, mm, maybe someone's having a bit of fun here photoshopping this, uh, which is not uh, beyond the realms of possibility. So I downloaded the game, and... Yeah, look, those are those are real pictures. That's a real bulge. It has been some time, I have to say, um, since I've seen a footballer come back from their summer holidays looking like that. I sent it to my brother and he went, whoa, he looks like one of us, uh, which is never good, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> we're heading into sort of Jan Mulby territory here, Thomas Brolin. I mean, he, he Willian is making... Uh, Andre Santos look like Kate Moss. What's he been doing, though? I mean, it's not like he's been off that long. I, mean, I don't know. It's crazy. Mm. Um, I, saw, I mean, I know that he visited the Salt Bay guy. I don't know whether that, you know, he sprinkly was meat wanker. kind of fatty steaks. Yeah, the sprinkly meat wanker. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it is seriously impressive. I mean, at the same time, I mean, I know that players get called fat and have been regularly mm. in the past you know i remember was i mean lampard obviously was kind of uh you know uh called that almost week in week out wherever he went playing football but do you remember when Ginola got called fat when he was at aston villa <laughs> and then he went and scored a goal and he whipped his shirt off and he yeah. was just this kind of rippling muscles and i'm kind of wondering i mean as laughable as it may sound if william scores against rangers at the weekend whether he goes off on one whips his shirt off kind of flexing his muscles look at me um, yeah it's enough reason to tune in anyway yeah i mean look there are players i think who who um how would you say it kind of run to stocky if you like just their natural build yeah. is is quite stocky I mean, you think of someone like Luke Shaw, for example, who... Yeah, yeah, great example. Yeah, you know, he he, he has that kind of physique, but is obviously, uh, you know, a highly fit athlete. He played a lot for Manchester United in England. You can't do that if you are, um, you know, fat and overweight. But, it you know, it doesn't look good for a 33-year-old player who... Um, you know, had a poor season last season. It's a, it's a strange one. Like, it, you know, perhaps he's demotivated. He's not really feeling the love from Arsenal, which is understandable. There's all this talk about how we want to get rid of him, and that's fine as well. Let's, let's do that. But it doesn't make it easier for us when he's got this two-year contract. He's got this big salary and signing on fee that's being paid over the course of his contract, and you're trying to convince somebody, anybody, to take him and yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine if he turns up for the medical somewhere, whips his shirt off, and they <laughs> they go to try and stick the. Uh, oh, do you know? You just you put know, a terrible image, a terrible image in my head. Do you remember? Was it during the the early two thousands? I think whenever Barcelona signed a player, they would make them do a medical in this kind of. I'm not going to say like a fishnet top, but you know what I mean. I there know was the this, one you're yeah, about. yeah, yeah. 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 And now I've got images of that with things coming out of it and stuff. So, Rabsy Willian. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's also not at the same time in the sense that... Maybe we shouldn't be making such a reaction of it because we're only drawing attention to what is, mm. um, you know, a potential issue. We should be, you know... I don't know. I hope, I hope Stuart and uh, David Price, the Arsenal photographers, are going to be... Uh, taking some very flattering photos of him against Rangers. Hopefully yeah. the new 
uh, red kit will be worn with the go faster stripe down the side. It'll look more slimming. It'll be fine. Slimming, yeah. Uh, or William's the only one playing in black because that is, uh, you know, black, <laughs> black takes Put off 20 the goalkeeper pounds. goalkeeper <laughs> uh, On the Discord as well, Painy992 says, thoughts on the on the new home kit? And there's a picture of Bakayo Saka in the new home kit. Looking pretty fucking swish, I think. Um, I don't know if you can see this uh, picture or whatever, but I'll put it in the chat here. Uh, it looks it looks great on Bakayo Saka, but then I do think that there is an element of, you know, everything looking great on Bakayo Saka because you know he's a he's actually a highly fit young man. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mind the kit. I mean, it's maybe a little bit too much white on it for me. I, I, I'm not a great fan of the red collars either. I prefer mm. a, a white collar, or um, it's got you know the late '90s vibes. That kind of uh, kit, I, I just kind of distinctly draw straight to the, the mm. Wembley Champions League games. It feels like, and then the collars sort of a bit like the one we had in 2001, 2002, although mm. that was had a flappy bits over the side. But it's you know it's smart. It's definitely. Um, like a more, I would say, modern take on things compared to the last couple, which have been quite traditional, I guess, under Adidas. But, um, yeah. you know, I guess they were always going to have to push the boundaries a little bit. You can't produce the same kit every season, can you? No, that's true. We'll see how it looks on Saturday when we play uh, Rangers, second game of, of preseason. Um, you know, just going back to that and the training camp that they're on in Scotland and everything else, you know, it's been quite noticeable. I think one of the, the, the things this summer has been – Look, everyone uh, talks about preseason as being a way of building fitness and stuff like that. And I think it's more about honing fitness in a way because a lot of the guys have gone away and really worked hard during the summer holidays. We've seen Aubameyang posting videos. Reese Nelson and Joe Willock are like, they were like uh, Maverick and the other guy from uh, Top Gun. You know, they were just doing their stuff, topless, running around, sweat glistening, all the all the stuff that they've been doing to keep themselves fit. So look, there's you've got to get back into the groove. You've got to, you know, get your touch and all that kind of stuff. But it is, I think, more important this season than than ever for Mikel Arteta to kind of implement. You know, he spoke didn't he many times about the lack of preseason and how that is a, a has been a factor or a difficulty for him as a manager, and not just him, all the managers, because you work on certain things, you work on. Um, you know, tactical ideas and formations and systems and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, while we do think about this as a fitness exercise, maybe a bit more than it used to be how the team plays during preseason is something that we focus on because, you know, this is an opportunity maybe to put certain things right that weren't going right last season. Yeah, maybe. I, I, my concern at the moment is just looking at the players who are there mm. on the camp at the moment in Scotland and questioning how many of those players are actually going to be there in and around the first team squad when the season starts. Mm. And, you know, we we know so well that there's a lot of question marks over the future of a lot of them. And there's a lot of question marks over people who aren't there who are due to return. And, um, and we've got one piece of business done, potentially a second one incoming. And, you know, there's talk of a third in Ben White I guess mm. so it's just how how who are you getting those ideas across to yeah. and how relevant is it to them at this particular point um but no I definitely take I mean I think some some quality time together I think team bonding in these situations is good um 
I uh, I think the fitness is obviously still there as an underlying thing. I uh, yeah, my concern is really is is Mikel Arteta preparing a side for those first three games, which are going to happen on this side of the transfer window mm. closing, with the guys he has on the books already in mind to play those games really. And if that's the case, then yeah, I guess he can really try and push some of the tactical stuff. But I mean, it's kind of hard to predict who the team might be on the first day of the season, I think at the moment. No, it is. And, and like coming to central midfield, which is an area that we're obviously very keen to, to see sorted out. It is remarkable, isn't it? That really only Thomas Partey is the he's the only central midfielder at the club without a question mark over his future. There might be a question mark over how much he can, you know, uh, build on the season that he had last season. And I think um, it would be reasonable to expect him to do that. But Genduzi is gone. Ceballos is gone. And then he's got a year left on his contract. It demands some kind of answer. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who played in midfield against Hibbs, you know, he, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with him. Joe Willock, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Uh, I know I'm forgetting somebody else. Granite Shaka, of course. Uh, yeah. What's going to happen with him? He's been linked very heavily with a move away, but there seems to be some sort of impasse between the two clubs when it comes to the price that Roma are willing to pay and what we want. There's a, there's a difference that doesn't seem to be uh, made up. Lucas Torreira, Lord knows what's going to happen there. So it is mad that we have all of these players but the only one that we can say with any real certainty is going to be at the club next season is Thomas Partey. I mean, that's part of what we, we've needed to sort out this summer, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I personally, I think El Nenny will 100% be at the club next season. I just think I think they're going to keep him around as a, as a, a utility player, I mm. guess. And I think he kind of seems happy enough with his <clears throat> position in the squad. And I think... I would imagine him to be around. But yeah, as you say, the rest of them, we've got no idea. I mean, there's obviously the talk about Albert Lukonga coming in, but mm. he's a 21-year-old kid and we have no idea what he can do, how quickly he's going to settle. Um, and then, you know, just a stream of, of players who've been linked with midfield, I guess, but they're they're mostly sort of attacking midfielders, mm. aren't they, really? I mean, I guess maybe Locatelli's less so, but I don't have any faith whatsoever in that being no. the deal that we're actually pursuing. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's so much to do. And actually, like, after that kind of real flurry of transfer rumours, things have really died down in the last couple of weeks. Like, there's really not been a huge amount to, to talk about on that front, I don't think. No. Um but something's going to have to happen and, and you know, it's it's going to happen at a point where Arteta's super busy and he, they're not even going to be in the country for some of it. I mean, they've mm. got to, you know, start doing all this stuff as at the exact point when their attention is being drawn elsewhere, you know, mm. whether it be to the preseason friendlies, whether it be to doing stuff in the States for, you know, marketing purposes, whether it's, you know, coming back here and then focusing on the start of the season. There's There's a lot going to be happening. So I don't know how much is being given to the new guy Richard Garlick to, to pursue on his own terms. Obviously, Edu's working away in the background. Um, <laughs> I'm sure contact has been made with the key targets. But yeah, mm. I saw today you were writing about where Edu is in the world yeah. and what he might be doing. Well, and, um, yeah, I mean... Who he might be meeting. Well, he was celebrating Kia Jarabjian's 50th birthday, it seems, in Monaco, the yacht club in Monaco, with... Uh, Raul Sanyehi. Now, 
I don't know what you think about this. And I'm perfectly open to the idea that, you know, friendships exist outside of football. They don't have to intersect with business. I just, the optics of it are not great for a guy who was questioned because of his closeness to Kia and, and Raul. Um, the the Kia players that we've had in the club have not been particularly successful. And obviously, Willian has been a, a total disaster. I just wonder about the the common sense applied to posting pictures like that on social media. And I know it wasn't him per se, but it was a close family member putting them up there. Like, what does it look like when you know that you've been questioned over the relationship between you and a certain agent and the, you know, whether the business that was done with that agent was the best business that Arsenal could do. I'm not saying that that business was dodgy. I'm just saying that, like, maybe in all of the players in all of the world, we might have been able to find some different slash better ones than the ones just, you know, who happen to be uh, from the guy who watches games from our director's box because he's got a close friendship with with our technical director. And, and similarly, Raul, who left the club um, in inverted commas, you know, it's not that he can't have a friendship with people like that or with those people. I'm not saying that, but I just question the wisdom of making stuff like that public. It's either really dim or he just doesn't care. Yeah, I, I would say it's a bit dim to allow that type of picture to surface, mm. especially now. I mean, like it, it's crazy. I mean, I don't, I don't mind so much that he has a friend and he's gone to the guy's birthday. But no, I do yeah, think yeah. it's a, it's it's not a great look when you're well aware of the criticism that's been angled at you from so many different directions. Um, and I do feel like maybe the club did have a word with Jarabchin because he was much quieter in the second half of the season compared to the first. I don't know whether he was sort of said, look, you know, someone had a private word and said, can you please, please, please stop going on fucking talk sport and sticking the knife in every time you get the chance. Mm. Um, who knows? But yeah, it, it's not a great look. I mean, uh, I don't want to sound bitchy, but I'm surprised Eddie's got the time right now to be flying off to Monaco to go and, um, uh, you know, party with people. Unless, of course, he's combining business with pleasure, um, mm. which I guess is the sort of natural reaction that most of us will have when we see those three guys well, in, in the same room together. I don't know what Raul's doing these days, if he's doing anything new since since Arsenal. I haven't heard I, anything. I don't know either. But I mean, yeah, it, it is possible, of course, to be in Monaco and to to work and stay in contact with the club. You know, we're in an era where technology is yeah. uh, allows you to work from anywhere. You know, you can Zoom, you can WhatsApp and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know... Like you say, it's how it looks and, and how certain things have gone down. And look, we've been linked with a number or one or two anyway of, of Kia's clients. Neto, the goalkeeper from Barcelona, linked to us uh, earlier in the year and again during this summer. So if there is an element of, like you say, combining business with pleasure and it involves players from an agent like that who's uh, whose deals for us really haven't done much to um, improve things, you could understand why people would be a little bit antsy about that kind of relationship. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I mean, I think we have no idea who else Eddie's meeting 
what else he's doing, where mm. conversations have led so far over the summer. So I'm, 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 I'm willing to sort of give him the benefit and the doubt and that he's been keeping himself busy in the last, you know, five or six weeks. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we all know, we all have very decent reason to be concerned about the Kia stuff, especially as the, the sense it, we were right. I think we were all concerned about how the relationship was developing, mm. but we had to give the you know a level of benefit of the doubt because you had to wait to see how the players actually performed on the pitch. And I think it's fair to say that, as you said, Willian and Cedric have been. I mean, you mm. just put your hands up in the air and you know do the Italian kind of hand pinch sign, don't you? I mean, it's not. Um, yeah, even yeah, it's, even it, David Luiz, they've done nothing. Yeah. But even Louise, yeah. you know, I, mean, I look, you, yeah, it, it became like, oh, well, you're the best of a bad lot in a way. Um, and, and I could see some of the upsides of David Louise, but like, come on, let's not pretend that this wasn't a guy who was just playing out a couple of years of fairly comfortable football um, towards the end of his career. For me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the David Louise one was, was very much a foot in the door for Kia a foot in the door that he'd been trying to get in the club for a long, long time, mm. not been allowed under Arsene Wenger. And then um, obviously circumstance played into that, didn't they? I mean, we'd messed up with the Koscielny situation and we're desperate. Mm. And if Kia came in and said, well, David Luiz will come and move and that will solve your problem in five minutes. But by the way, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be knocking on your door every five minutes for the next three years. Yeah. Then, you know, it's the deal with the devil that we made. Hmm. Well, look, we'll wait and see what happens. There's still plenty of time left this summer, of course, uh, for us not to sign any Kia clients and to sign some some actual good players. So that would be that would be one way for Edu to convince people that you know he's focused on his work. Um, until such time as that happens, though, I don't blame anybody for taking a cynical view of um, stuff like that just can't do it. I can't criticize anyone for thinking the worst because, well, you know, we've been the victims of, not the victims of, but we have experienced um, some of the poor decisions uh, in very recent times. So let's wait and see what he does. Just coming back to the player uh, slash players that we have signed, it looks like Albert Lokonga at the time of recording, it hasn't happened, but we're, um, we believe it could happen at some point today, Thursday. Nuno Tavares as well, profile-wise, good, well, we don't know if they're good yet, but young players with potential who we hopefully can develop into better players who can contribute to the team and maybe can increase in value and get sold and, you know, help that kind of um, system of replenishment, financial replenishment anyway. So you can see why those are the the players that, that Arsenal have gone for Tavares is cover for Tierney, Lokonga. I'd be very surprised if he was coming in as a first-choice starter alongside Thomas Partey. It feels like that's a, a position that we still need to, to fill, depending on what happens with Granit Xhaka. Of course, he could be the guy who stays. So, uh, you know, wh where do you... Uh, look, I think there, there are two players who can provide some depth, but in terms of giving us substantial or significant first team improvement i don't think they do that yet no probably not i mean i think we always knew with the left back signing that it was going to be as a, a backup mm. role anyway and the pressure wouldn't be on him to be kind of 
you know running at full steam from the from the get-go I think the Lakonga one even though I've not really had a chance to watch the guy I mean everything you read suggests that he has huge potential Mm. um and you know he's already a Belgian international or at least been called up by the squad um and they are not short of very talented Mm. midfielders so that 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 bodes well and he very much fits the profile of the type of player I assumed we'd be going after given our seemingly kind of perilous financial situation I mean, mm. that was what the noises all were throughout the season with covid and with um you know not qualifying for europe at all let alone the the champions league um they're the types of players i want us to be signing i i, I felt my initial reaction when i saw us linked with let's say ben white for 50 million quid was well shouldn't we be getting ben white before he becomes 50 million pound ben white shouldn't we be getting the version of him two years before right mm. um I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll get to that later. But I mean, these guys do seem like they're the next gen. They've got sell-on value if they don't work out. Um, they seem a bit more like we are trying to outsmart the market as opposed to just mm. throwing money around willy-nilly on big guys, big names, people that might appease the fan base because you know everybody loves a big new shiny thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of positive, and I'd be happy to see a few more of these guys come into the squad if we're going to shift out some of the other um, players. And I'm, I'll, I'd love to know the story behind their signings. How, do, how did we find out about them? How long have we been watching them? Mm. You know, who made the the key recommendation? At the moment, we don't really have any of that information, and we can only guess i mean edu obviously has spoken about uh wanting to lean more on the analytics side of things but then at the same time you know got rid of a scouting department and then started rehiring scouts so it's kind of i don't know where they come from yeah i'd love to maybe we'll get a, an athletic article <laughs> when the window closes with all yeah. that detail in there to find out who you know who is the guy who spotted Lukonga or recommended Lukonga, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because yeah, I mean, I think you could see in the past we have scouts who are recommending players um, to varying degrees of success, but now we don't quite know who is who is doing that. Um, um, look, we do have this in-house, formerly known as Stat DNA. I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. They, they've rebranded it Arsenal Data Analytics or something like that. So, yeah, that's obviously a, a key part of it. Another question from the Discord um, from HR, uh, who says, uh, with Arteta's latest comments on signings, we've made one and we will try to, he says, make do with the players we have. But I think what he said was we'll try and improve the players that we have. Are you concerned at all? It felt like a really classic... Arsene Wenger answer when it came when it comes to signings and I I, I I don't know how long Mikel Arteta is going to be the manager of Arsenal I don't see it being a 20 year thing by any stretch of the imagination and it takes a little while for for you to really get to know the the sort of verbal foibles of of a man as we came to with with Arsene down the years but that kind of thing is like well are you going to make transfers well we're more uh, focused on improving the players that we have etc cetera, etc cetera, giving nothing away so it's something similar like that but it does strike me as just a way of not fueling any kind of speculation rather than we're not going to make any signings yeah, I, I actually saw the video of him answering the question and he sort of was sort of smiling and it was almost like he was like, oh, here we go. Like, here comes the, the kind of bombarding or the bombardment of questions about transfers. You know, I'm mm. back into the back into the press game again. Um, 
yeah, I just think he was kind of trying to calm everybody down a little bit. I think mm. he knows full well that he's facing an incredibly hectic month and there's definitely going to be comings and goings. And right now, he doesn't have anything to say. And mm. he's always sort of kept his cards pretty close to his chest on these matters, um, which made the fact that, you know, he, he kind of was so definitive in saying that Emil Smith-Rowe would be staying. Mm. Um, I think that's one that he's poured cold water on the Villa link for yeah. quite a while. Um, even though he was then asked about that and then said no comment. Um, <laughs> I think no comment was, it's been fucking ridiculous. I can't believe they've even bothered trying, which is yeah. basically what all the fans have kind of yeah. their take on it as well. I mean, um, yeah. how much do you buy into the the ongoing tease that is Emile Smith-Rowe and his shirt number and all that kind of stuff? Because, you know, uh, I do wonder sometimes if, some of it is um, deliberate or not, you know, but there are pictures where he's holding his hands over his chest to, to obscure his number. And people are going, look at all the training pictures. You can see the number on everyone. Everyone's got a number apart from, from Smith Rowe. Yeah. Uh, like it feels like it could be a bit of a long tease, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting some money on, on 10. going to put some money on 10 for Smith Rowe. With his new contract, yeah. because they can't give him. I think you made this point to me during the week. They can't give him the new number without really announcing a new contract, can they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're completely tied together. Mm. I did see that um, someone had zoomed in on one of the pictures where he was in the background, and they'd gone right into it, the <laughs> number that was on one of his flip flops. And that did Enhance. look like, yeah, it did look like it was ten. So mm. I think while they've been trying to tease everybody. Um, it will be very clear very soon that he's going to be the new Dennis Bergkamp. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. Do you think that? Do you think that's a real thing? The pressure of a number for a for a player. Do you think they they would think that? Because you know people will say, "Well, Smith Rowe, he's only twenty. He's only really played half a season with us at, at Premier League level. You know, he did have that breakthrough season, but he played most of those games at in the Europa League." all our hopes are resting on this Hale End Academy graduate, 20 years of age. We've given him a new five-year contract. You know, I'm, I'm hoping, assuming that that's going to be the case. Five years plus one year, plus one year, plus one year, something like that. And we have these expectations of, of what he can do. Then we're going to say, now following the, the esteemed footsteps of Paul Merson, Dennis Bergkamp, Jack Wilshire, Mesut Ozil, William Gall well no. Sorry, you know, but these these incredible <laughs> players down the years who have who have worn that number ten and people will say that's a heavy burden. It's a heavy burden for a player. The same way like a, a big transfer fee is a burden. Do you think they really care about that? Do you think he if he's wearing ten next season is gonna be like, Oh, I've got to play well because I'm wearing ten. It's not is it not just a case I've got to play well because I'm playing for Arsenal? Well, I I I think with these situations the club doesn't just sort of go willy-nilly, oh, here's the 10 shirt, I don't think. It's, mm. He probably has asked for it. So I think he's backing himself to be, you know, the, a player capable of pulling that number off. I mean, it, ultimately, squad numbers don't really make any difference. They shouldn't matter, should they? I mean, mm. um, back in the day, 1 to 11 was just the shirt you were given on the on the day of the game, wasn't it? And, mm. You know, the players used to move around quite a lot. And I, you, at the same time, you can't hide the history and you can't hide the inevitable links that will come with it. I mean, it is an iconic shirt in the club's, you know, mm. recent past as, as, as well as kind of historical past. And um, 
yeah, I you do need to have some confidence. I mean, it would be interesting if, say, he took he signed the new deal and said, you know what, I'm perfectly happy with. 32 or whatever it was that mm. he was wearing previously you know kind of almost like a gesture if it doesn't really bother me i'm not really into the the star stuff but i'm sure from a marketing perspective yeah being arsenal's number 10 um <laughs> puts him onto another plane you know he'll be able to command you know significantly bigger figures from sports brands and other potential sponsors and stuff so i mean it would be remiss of his representatives not to push that type of thing if the opportunity is there for him to take it mm. um much like with Bukayo and the number seven. But, you know, we've got an interesting kind of lineup now of one to ten, you know, Leno, Bellerin, Tierney, I think Saliba, Gabriel, Party, Saka. We're missing an eight. We've got Lacazette, a missing a ten, but could be uh, Smith Rowe and then Torreira who's 11, which is a bit of a weird one. Yeah, i got to sort that one out. Central midfielder should not wear 11. I mean, I think there are numbers that certain players should not wear, you know, centre half should not wear 10. Certainly not a former... Chelsea yeah. centre half should never ever wear a ten. Um, one of uh, the greatest abominations in the long and storied history of this club. But let's let's not go there. Uh, yeah, look, we're missing an eight, which I think could well be um, one of the signings that comes in. We're hoping that that central midfield signing will come in. Um, Joe Willock, Mikel Arteta made some comments about him during the week, and he said. You know, actually better than I, what he said. It was something like, in the time that he's with us, we're going to work hard with him, something like that. Joe's going to be with us, but in that time, which which felt a little bit strange. And there is talk of a loan move again to, to Newcastle. It, it feels like the Willock thing, like everything these days, there's sort of two camps. One is the Arsenal need goals from midfield. We have a goal-scoring midfielder. Let's keep and use the goal-scoring midfielder versus the he's never going to score that many goals in quick succession ever again is a is a brilliant purple patch but that's kind of all it was his value is through the roof because of it now is the time to cash in on a, an academy player who while decent is never going to be the guy we need long term etc 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 so you know i could see both sides of that particular argument but this idea of a, another loan, where does that sit with you in the in the grand scheme of things? It just doesn't really make sense to me mm. if we're unless and, unless there's a an option to buy, unless you're guaranteeing future income, it doesn't really make sense to just let him go out on loan. I mean, I he obviously did very well at Newcastle, proved that he can score goals in the Premier League, proved mm. that he can be a Premier League player, and also increased his 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 value and i think you either make use of one or other of those things you don't do the opposite which is kind of go down the middle ground again and just give the goals to another mm. club and and don't take the value it just doesn't really sit well with me at all um i i feel like joe is more likely to get sold still than loaned and i think that we're just not making a decision on it at the moment because in essence we know there's a buyer there and we don't know that there's a buyer for some of the other players. And it may be that oh, further down the line, we get to a point where we go, okay, we better take this money because we need to reinvest. We haven't had the success we wanted in the market selling other players. Let's sell Joe. We'll take the risk. We'll move that money elsewhere and cover the incoming signing of X. Um, but I can understand why Newcastle fans are super excited about the idea of having Joe back on loan. My mm. worry would be that he'll never live up to the standards that he set himself last season. And if we're not then therefore safeguarding 
the value, the figure that we could get now. Mm. Then, yeah, I mean, that that would be mad. Yeah, I mean, there was a suggestion that maybe we were going to extend his contract and then loan him out, which maybe protects uh, the value. I'm just checking out uh, his contract length here. I think it's 2023. 20, um, mm. So, he's, you know, he's got a couple of years left right now. But if you were to loan him this summer without an extension, you've got a player in the position that we continually find ourselves in with a year left where you find it hard either to move them on because they don't want to go. They're quite happy to sit out and see the final year because a Bosman is more attractive. They've got better options, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if there was, a, if there was a, a willingness on his part to extend his Arsenal contract and then go on loan, is that a middle ground you think we could... Uh, at least rationalize in this market that we're we're in right now, which I do think to some extent is playing a part in some of the weirdness in terms of the deals that we're seeing or some of the reported rumors that we're seeing around certain deals that the market itself is is playing a part. I mean, I could I could rationalize extending the deal, protecting his value mm. if you were guaranteeing me someone who was actually going to play that role this season. You know, I, I say that because I think, you know, if you've lost Erdegaard and you lose, let's say, potentially Nelson, and who knows, if you got lucky getting <clears> rid of Willian, and then you were saying to Joe Willock, OK, you can go as well. We, we need goals for midfield. We need attacking threat. Mm. And if you... I, I, I can I can see us allowing it on those terms if we know we've got someone lined up who can come in. I recognise that we don't have as many games this season, that we don't need as big a squad, but... God, goals for midfield are so important to any team. Arteta mm. has said repeatedly that we don't get enough of them. You've got a player there who's shown that he has qualities that Arsenal's squad doesn't have. Really. Mm. Late runs into the box, an ability to sniff out a goal in the six-yard box, which is where most of his Newcastle goals came from. Mm -hmm. um, I recognise also that he doesn't necessarily fit the type of play that we've, you know, maybe Newcastle was a better fit for him and we haven't been able to get the best out of him, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. If we extend this deal, I could just about mm. see it. I'll allow it. You'll allow it. You know, Ish. I would personally, I would be more inclined to keep him simply because we we need goal threat. Uh, I suppose one thing to point out is that, like Joe Willock, might want to go on loan to somewhere where he feels he's going to play on a regular basis. Whereas, you know, if you were to define a certain role for him at Arsenal where you say, look, we don't score enough goals. As a team, we don't score enough goals. Our midfield does not score anywhere near enough goals. The, the central midfielders uh, that we had at the club last season scored a grand total of two Premier League goals between them last season. It's nowhere near good enough. So <clears throat> you could make, I think you could make a very good case for keeping someone like Joe Willock. Um, not in that classic super sub role, but as somebody who gives you something from midfield that nobody else we have at the club right now can give us. And if you're needing to introduce players in the second half, late in the second half, for example, you've got two ways of doing it, I guess. One is sort of like a like-for-like -like swap in terms of 
forward players. Um, if your right winger hasn't scored, you've got someone else you can throw him on or your striker can come on or, you know, you can obviously throw on a, a forward player for a fullback or, or whatever it might be. But to bring somebody on in midfield who can arrive in the box, who can um, finish when he gets in there, whose movement is good enough to score against pretty much any team, as we saw uh, when he played for Newcastle last season. I think that's a a little bit of a wild card that could be really useful for us next season. And I know there are people out there who disagree, who think we should just cash in, take the money, spend it well. But A, I don't really trust that we would spend it well. Uh, And B, this is a... This is, I'm not going to say a proven Premier League player, but this is somebody who has shown that if you put him in the right areas, he can certainly score the goals. Yeah, there's one other element, which is he's a homegrown player and Mm. we're desperately short of those in and around the first team squad and need them to to be able to maximise the the size of the squad. So um, I've always advocated keeping Joe around just because I think he brings something different. He's the one player in the squad who kind of has reminded me albeit in a small part of Aaron Ramsey, mm. you know, those those runs into the box, the goals and stuff. Um, I think he's got some improving to do, but I definitely think if he can accept a year of being part of a squad and not necessarily being a regular starter, which is not easy to do at mm. this age, especially if you've had that taste of regular game time at Newcastle and, you know, I imagine having 50,000 Geordies next season cheering you on is something that you could easily <laughs> find very, very attractive compared yeah. to, you know, up there from empty stadiums. So, um, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd happily see Joe given a chance this season at Arsenal. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think it's a two-way street. He has to make that decision as well. Hmm, I mean, there's nothing to say that, you know, if he did start the season as a a super sub kind of player. It depends how much he backs himself to make an impact that makes him difficult to drop. He could play himself into being a, a first team player. And I know there are issues with the, with the system, if you like, when it comes to uh, how much he fits into the system that we have, but the system that we have hasn't necessarily been that successful anyway. So maybe there's some, uh, something to be said for, for changing the system. I'm not saying change the system to accommodate Joe Willock per se, but it could be a case that a a shift towards a more four three three could benefit him. Um, that will depend entirely on what we do in the transfer market, of course, and and you know who Mick, Mikel Arteta has got available to him. Let's do one more just very quickly from the the Discord before we go. Goldie nineteen eighty seven says, "What was your opinion of Maitland Niles playing in central midfield against Tibbs?" Said, "I thought he's one of the better players in the first half and could do a decent job for us there this season." And uh, there was another one as well. Armchair Arsenal says, "Do you think Maitland Niles gets a chance preseason, or is this putting him in the shop window again?" homegrown player helps us out in that regard cheap too, cheap option i mean he he put himself in the shop window didn't he with that mm. interview a few weeks ago when he he himself went to the press and basically said mm. arsenal need to tell me what they want to do with me i'm happy to go elsewhere you know i'm not scared to to try my luck elsewhere i mean it was a bit of a weird move and we've not had any particular fallout from it he I guess his representatives pushed him out into the open and said, go and do this interview and Mm. you'll get a reaction from the club because he seemed to be concerned that he'd not had any contact with Mikola Teta since returning from from West Brom. And Mm. um, I just, look, I think if Sam Allardyce is saying to you, become an Arsenal player in whatever position you can, that suggests to me that Sam Allardyce doesn't necessarily think you're 
up to the Arsenal standards to be the central midfielder there. Mm. Um, maybe I'm being a bit harsh there. I just don't. I think if Ainsley Maitland-Niles is going to be an Arsenal central midfielder, he'd be an Arsenal central midfielder by now. Mm. And it, the fact that we're still having this conversation three, four years after he made his breakthrough into the team, to me, suggests that he's he's not really considered there. I mean, yeah, he had what fifteen, twenty minutes maybe against Austria Vienna in a home game mm. uh, last season in that role. Maybe it's a bit longer. Um, but Arteta just, I don't think Arteta trusts him on the ball. I think he's wary of how profligate he can sometimes be in possession. And it's such an important part of the pitch. And when Arsenal are playing in that kind of, in the way that we do, the idea that you give the ball away and get turned and get done on the transition, mm. which is something we've been so kind of, you know, vulnerable to for a couple of seasons. Um, yeah, that's an issue. So I don't, I don't think so. I think of all of them, I think Ainsley's probably the most likely of all the young ones. I mm. think Ainsley's the most likely to leave on a permanent deal. I think, you know, Reese would go on loan, I guess, uh, if we decide that, uh, we can extend Joe's contract as we just discussed, then maybe that's an option to, to send him on loan. But I, I'd take the money and run with Ainsley at this point, I'm afraid. Okay. Well, look, we'll wait and see what happens. Um, Reese Nelson, only a year. No, he's got two years left on his deal, 2023. So it's not quite as urgent. But look, Nelson, Nketiah, um, Maitland, Niles, Willock, these guys who have come through the academy and, and done really well to get to this point, seem to be the one or uh, some of the ones anyway around whom there's uh, the biggest question marks but look let's finish on a positive note the only thing that Mikel Arteta really has to do now in this summer is sort out the goalkeeping situation the defense the midfield and the attack and the way we play and being good so I think we're on track yeah I mean I'm glad he had a, a couple of weeks off to clear his head um <laughs> I mean, I, I worry for him because the to-do list is so long. Yeah. And, you know, as, as someone who creates a lot of to-do lists on a day-to-day basis, I know that my heart starts to palpitate when mm. they get really, really, really long. And that is a really long one. And he's really not helped by that start to the season. No. You know, the pressure will be on him automatically if we lose to the two Champions League finalists. So, um, yeah, not ideal. Good luck, Mikel. Best of luck to Miguel and to Edu when he gets back from uh, hanging out on yachts with rich people and to Richard Garlic and all the rest of them. Okay, we'll see what happens over the weekend. Um, I do think Lokonga is going to happen. It looks very much like Ben White is also going to happen. So, you know, there's uh, a few bits and pieces beginning to to go down, but more needs to happen. It needs to happen uh, relatively soon. So we'll cover that, of course, on the site, the podcast and everything else. For now, though, Andrew, thank you very much. Lovely chatting. Until next time. (laughs) Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter at AAllenSport, at AAllenSport. And you can listen to more of Andrew on his own podcast called Left Field Podcast. Get it wherever you get podcasts. How many times can I say the word podcast in the next few seconds? Probably loads. Podcasts. Yeah, no, I'm not going to. That can't be us. So uh, check out Left Field Podcast, recorded with, of course, the son of Terry Wogan. Isn't that a thing? There you go. Right. That's just about that for this week. There is more preseason football, as we said, at the weekend. Arsenal versus Rangers. Rangers versus Arsenal at Ibrox. And after that, there is a trip to America next weekend, a game against Inter Milan in Florida. And after that, we play either Everton or Millenarios. I don't know uh, quite how that works out. Loser versus loser, winner versus winner. It doesn't really matter. We're going to play one of those teams. So there's a trip to America, some training in the heat, and uh, plenty of pictures, I'm sure, on the official website. And hopefully, hopefully some new players by the time we come back. I think that is when we need to start looking at, at really making the additions that we need to make. But... All in good time or bad time. Who knows? Who knows? This is Arsenal after all. As ever, I would like to thank you for being here and thank you for listening, subscribing, giving us a rating, a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever the fuck it's called now. Uh, It's really appreciated. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra. So please do join us for that. In the meantime, take it easy, look after yourselves, and I'll catch you on the next one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hello, children. Welcome back to school. Our first exercise today is tell the class what you did during your holidays. Who wants to go first? Nobody. Okay, Pierre, you go first. I went on my holidays and I ran a lot and I did a lot of circuit training and many hours of high-intensity running in order to come back fit as possible. Very good, Pierre. It sounds like you took good care of yourself during the holidays. Who's next? Reese? let's hear from you. Yes, miss. I mean, yes, sir. I went on holidays with my friend Joe, and we ran up and down the beach, and we ran up mountains, and we ran everywhere we could run to. 
And when we didn't do any running, we was lifting weights, really heavy weights, sir, miss, sir. Thank you, Reese. You're a good and conscientious student. Now, who else? Willian, what did you do this summer? Pies. Pies? Yes, pies. What about pies? I ate pies. But why don't you like pies, Willian? I do like pies. I ate pies. Oh, you ate pies. How many pies did you eat, Willian? All of them. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.